to Geek Sweat. This is another one of our inspirational interviews. I'm King Dom and I'm joined today by TJ. Howdy. Thanks for having me on again, King Dom. How you doing? Very good. Always a pleasure to have you. So, TJ, do you have any inkling of who our very special guests are today? I'm not sure um, who you've got in line for today. Could you give us a clue? Well, today's guests have done something very unusual with money. Oh, wow. Something I hope it's not a counterfeiting corporation. You're getting warmer, but all for the best possible reasons. Could they be documentary filmmakers? Getting very warm. Our guests today are... Hilary Powell and Dan Edelstein, the directors of the documentary Bank Job. Welcome. Oh, thanks for having us. So this is a very interesting project because it's a collaborative project. And in fact, um, both of you, Hilary and Dan, you're coming from different disciplines. How did this come about? Can you tell us about what your backgrounds were initially prior to working together? I suppose we've overlapped for quite a while now, but I'm more like, you know, if we have labels, I'm an artist and Dan's a filmmaker, but really they kind of overlap and fuse and the collaboration goes beyond us. You know, with any film, there's so many, but with this project, there was so many members of a community and other skill sets involved. So, but I suppose we always have from the beginning been artist and filmmaker and we kind of, if, yeah, we stick to those tags in a way what about you yeah well I mean I'll just basically confirm that Hillary hasn't made this all up my background is film and hers is art yeah but you didn't train in film like officially excuse me why why? I think I did train in film no but you and have have produced many documentaries for terrestrial and non-terrestrial television before coming together to create the bank job. Thank you very much. Yeah, what I mean is that interest in film came from like history and interest in storytelling. And my art was never like art that was confined to like a white cube, you know, that it needed to have a kind of social purpose. And I've always been really fascinated by documentaries. So yeah, there was a real overlap basically. And I was always interested in art too. (laughs) So, in fact, as unlikely as it seems on paper, it's a natural fit for you to collaborate. Yeah, and we have done, we have collaborated in the past on previous films and projects, often, you know, often different roles, like more like one of us assisting the other, or the other one has a vision and whatever skills we can offer, we, you know, we work together. But this one is much more, yeah, a, a kind of true collaboration and that has extended beyond just the two of us. Yeah, like I at first I used to document Hillary's art projects, uh, you know, and and they were her projects type of thing. And then uh, she would, um, you know, when we first started to collaborate filmmaking, she, you know, I kind of basically I hope you're not going to bite my head off here. I kind of trained her up to to shoot, uh, you know, film uh, on 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 the digital cameras that we had at the time. And I mean, she's always had an amazing eye, but she wasn't, you know, she wasn't really a, a technician. And so, you, you know, she wasn't working in the, you know, TV or, or documentary world. The first film we made together properly was um, a film called How to Reestablish a Vodka Empire, which was our first feature documentary. And in that film, um, I was like the kind of character looking for my uh, the, the traces of my family in, in Ukraine because they'd escaped from the Russian Revolution. They were a kind of quite wealthy Jewish family. And I was just trying to find 
what I thought was a sugar factory in the countryside of Ukraine. And every night, so, so Hillary had to basically be the director of photography on the film, but she hadn't had that experience of really like documentary, um, you know, camera work in a sustained way before. So every night, like we would film on this um, a Sony Z1 tape yeah. camera and every night we were in different hotel rooms, but they all had these massive TVs with the yellow, white and red input. So at night we used to plug it in, look back at the footage and then sort of criticise it together and work out what was good, what was bad. And in that way, while we were literally filming the film, Hillary's camera work just was like getting better and better and better. And we were just like, you know, and, and so that was the first time we really worked kind of closely together in a sustained way on a project. But what was interesting was that the methodology is kind of similar to what ended up being in Bank Job, which is that we, we went somewhere and then we tried to do... Um, you know, uh, a project which uh, where we made an intervention in a way, you know, and and on in that project, it was my great grandfather's vodka distillery ended up finding. And we started to uh, Hillary then designed a vodka bottle and uh, uh, and we started to take the spirit from my great grandfather's vodka distillery, bottle it in a different bottling plant in Ukraine and then import the vodka across to Britain. And then we were selling it to Selfridges and the Ritz and all sorts of top places. And we sort of like accidentally uh, tumbled into uh, the alcohol industry in Britain. So we like there's a sort of tendency to 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 that what starts out as a small, tiny project tends to spill out and become something slightly different. Yeah, and we were hoping that that would be like we'd be funded by vodka for the rest of our lives. <laughs> and the project that didn't that didn't work out with that, but but it really yeah. why didn't that work out? I mean, you must be among the best vodka makers to be sold in Selfridges. And yeah, operates. it was that all of this price points and the competition and the kind of like kind of mafia in terms of like just like a monopoly of like big brands here that pay bars to stock stuff and we were just working on a very small budget but more when Dan went back the whole kind of supply chain broke down because the math the real, the real mafia literally did take over the distillery so <laughs> and yeah. then Ukraine had its you know um, issue like basically war breaking out and it all went a bit downhill. One of the major things that we learned from from the project in Ukraine, despite the fact that lots of things went wrong within Ukraine at that point that, that, that were kind of acts of God, if you like, that we couldn't deal with. One of the major things that we learned in, uh, in that project in Ukraine was that we had to come up with a technique to, um, to be able to communicate with thousands of people and not only to communicate with them, but to turn them into fans and make them buy stuff, you know, if we were ever to survive, uh, you know, in that project, it was kind of, no, but it was important in, in, inside that. Yeah, I mean, it didn't work in the vodka project, but when it came to bank job, we, we had to have the same, we had to have a similar thing because, you know, we needed to, in order to grow something, uh, which was a lot more important than, than the vodka empire, then we had to we had to devise a, a way of, of of building a building a community, didn't we? And yeah. And getting them to support the project. Yeah. Was the vodka project free social media? Like around about what time? It yeah. wasn't really. It was like well, it started in two thousand and five. Twenty eleven. Twenty eleven. It was kind of it had a, a cinema release across across America. Twenty ten. It was to, in the London Film Festival in twenty ten. I think. Oh, so. 2011. Oh, twenty eleven. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's right. Twenty eleven London Film Festival. Twenty twelve across America. 
it went to like it went into cinemas in America and it went into cinemas in Britain and I think just straight after the London yeah. Film Festival yeah no one knew how to do Facebook yeah. very well I mean I did try and do Facebook ads to build up an audience uh, but I had no idea what I was doing um, seeming that we've talked about collaboration uh, social media and uh, coming together um, you seem to occupy two different worlds in terms of art and film and kind of bleed and cross over. Can I ask, how did the two of you meet and realise that you were made for each other, both creatively and romantically? That's a nice question. It's interesting <laughs> that you put that question just like, like about 20 or 30 seconds after I got squeezed under, <laughs> under the table because I wasn't allowed to talk about mass communication or whatever that I was... No, you just have fans. I oh, like she doesn't like the word no, fans. But uh, well, we met. We met uh, actually. Was it was it two thousand or two thousand and one? Two thousand and one. Yeah, <laughs> two thousand and one in a house in Dalston, not far away from where we all are now, or or well, not far in terms of East London, in a house belonging to a an artist called Lenny Lee, and Hillary was renting a room from this artist, tiny little room, probably not well maybe about the size of this room we're in now quite small and um and dan was editing so yeah so i was, was editing a film for uh, for for this artist in which he smothered himself in uh, meat that he'd bought from the dalston market it's pretty gross uh you know but i i was quite young i mean i've just finished university and i was i guess i was an impressionable you know wanted to be kind of artist and and be in an art scene yeah. I was probably more serious because <laughs> I was, I think I'd come back from doing my MA in scenography in Amsterdam. I wanted to come back to the big city. And then I think I was, I don't know where I was working at, the Laban Dance Centre, I think, but I was applying to do a PhD. And I remember going into the room and Dan was like really, <laughs> really like a puppy trying to show me all of your photographs. And I'm like, it's very good. <laughs> So, but we, when does a puppy ever show photographs to anyone? <laughs> I don't know. I think it, yeah, we moved quite fast. Dan, I think, had just taken a studio in Hackneywick. I moved there quite quickly, and he would already set up optimistic productions, you know, in in name. And then we, I remember, we were both, uh, yeah, we've always had this thing. Where we wanted to get a website, and we we're like, how do we fit all this in a website? Art, film, music. Like, it's taken a long time to realize. The kind of way they interact like with fluidity and well now we've probably still got that problem to be honest because our you know we present projects but we don't actually have a website for that houses everything so anyway it was always this overlap of ideas and practices and, and for early films that Dan got commissioned for like Channel 4 Three Minute Wonders which were about subverting the city and um, meeting the space hijackers and Lottie Child who did urban climbing and the Office for Subversive Architecture, they really then kind of informed, well, I was already working, it's, so, it's such a kind of back and forth because I was working on those kind of themes in a PhD and then we made our, well, that was kind of my film, but our film, The Games, which staged a DIY kind of do-it-yourself Olympics before the Olympics came to the Olympic site. So, yeah, we've, that's, I don't know. What, we've, no. I guess we've evolved together for years is the, is yeah, the answer. Yeah. Like if, if you wanted to just put it into a simple, uh, you know, kind of one liner. Uh, yeah, we, across lots and lots of projects, we've kind of evolved a, a working method and, and, and continue to it to evolve it. Wouldn't yeah, you say? And not without like tensions, but I suppose it's difficult. Not without tensions. No. Plenty of those and, and plenty to come, no doubt. Yeah. But I yeah. think maybe that's 
good. It's like, good to have <laughs> tension. I mean, like the, all stories need tension. You know, like in you guys are filmmakers and you know you love films, don't you? There's no there's no story without conflict, and there's no scene without tension. You know, so long may tension exist. You know, and we I, I don't think we none of us want to be like you know in a zen like state of uh you know bliss for for too long you know for instance the other day yesterday I I was meditating uh in the back field and um you know so I let one dog run around uh and the other dog I kept next to me because I know that she has a tendency to just escape uh so the one that I kept on the lead was just next to me the whole time and the other one I felt I, I you know in in my state of bliss meditation everything I felt she she approached you know after about four or five minutes and I put my hand out to stroke her and the sunshine was pouring in and everything. And she rolled in some kind of cow pat or something. <laughs> and my hand was damp. I was like, ah, <laughs> meditation finished. <laughs> well, I'll, talking about um, conflict, tension, and meditation, um, there's another ingredient which is to your work, which is inspiration. And um, you're clearly two different individuals that join forces together. But what what are your biggest, if you could name an inspiration for each of you, uh, what would you say the biggest inspiration on what you create? Is it social justice, community, or is it something else? It's hard to put like, um, you know, to, to pigeonhole where, you know, one of those things starts and the other one kind of finishes, you know. We set up uh, a community interest company called Optimistic Foundation. And in that we had to put down, um, you know, a kind of mission statement, I think. And I think what we wrote there was that we want to explore and intervene in the big kind of philosophical and social questions of, you know, of our generation, if we can. So what we're, you know, so, so hence, like we looked at the financial system in the bank job, uh, and now we're looking at the uh, energy system and the, the kind of climate crisis in the next project that we're doing. So we want to we want to make meaningful interventions, reveal hidden power structures, and 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 do our best to kind of try and make a difference. I, I think inspiration comes from all sorts of places for us. We don't have like just one or two inspirations, do we? And we're not we're not like really we don't really pin our inspirations on this person or that person yeah. more like ideas I'd say I know but there are like you know you have people that you've always kind of like Agnes Varda and the Gleaners and I that's like a film that I'm just has been an inspiration throughout even if my work might not actually be like that or recent projects might not have anything in common with that or Jacques Tati's playtime and his kind of humorous navigation of like this encroaching alienating modern space so there's different filmmakers and artists more from the 70s I find for the artists than, than contemporaries but but yeah yeah we so like a bit of punk don't we and like a lot of our audience seems to <laughs> seems to be uh you know people who who probably lived through the 70s and remember like when punk was around and when there was an actual underground kind of resistance you know uh movement so I guess we're interested you know like I love a lot of, I'm, a, I'm also a musician, you know, and there's like a lot of the early inspirations for me came in the kind of countercultural 1960s spirit of rebellion, you know, from, uh, you know, the rock and roll scene, I guess. Um, but I, I, I was probably more of a hippie rather than a kind of Rolling Stones drug guy, you know, 
um, uh, Bob Dylan, Leonard Cohen, those types of uh, musicians, Jimi Hendrix, you know, um, uh, all those type of uh, writers and, and, you know, musicians were, were really uh, interesting. But just, just so much. Sorry, because now I'm going to party. No, but to be honest, I was just thinking about David Bowie and how much he kind of like saved, <laughs> saved and inspired me from these very like, you know, these kind of restricted, you know, adolescence and that, you know, this promise of something bigger out there, this kind of dream. So <laughs> what are you doing? I like David Bowie. I was just doing a little bit of live you cutting. Never between David Bowie as much I like him, but not as much as you like him. No. And um, okay. but you know, David Bowie, there's there's plenty of like, yeah. I like Victor Frankl as well, the, the psychologist who escaped from Auschwitz, you know, uh, and who um, had a whole different branch of psychology called logotherapy, you know. Whereas Freud believed that you know, people were in, innately drawn towards pleasure, and Adler believed that people were drawn towards power. Um, Victor Frankl believed that we were drawn towards the, the, the primary driver in all of our lives is a search for meaningfulness, you know, uh, and I love that. Yeah. So so that's a kind of like a mixture between philosophy and psychology. So he's got a book called Man's Search for Meaning, which I love. And then, yeah, a, a bit of George Orwell, you know, a bit of Tolstoy. God, I could keep going on about different. In but yeah, not that many because we were talking about this before we started recording. We're not like huge documentary watchers, you know. Even though we, you know, like for me, every day is a recording. You know, I'm always recording and shooting stuff. But I've been I've been documenting everything since I was a child, basically, because my dad died when I was three, and that made me think, oh my god one has to document as much as you can because you never know what's going to happen, you know, so uh, so it's good to try and, you know, keep a record so that if people do disappear or things disappear, at least at least they exist inside an archive somewhere. I guess that was my that was my rudimentary childhood understanding. You can keep a piece of something. You can keep a piece of someone. Uh, so I remember like looking at the kind of documents belonging to my father, like there was a some kind of um old browning kind of piece of um identification you know uh, with his name on it and a business card or something and and there was a gun that he left he had a handgun you know so these little fragments made me remember my dad so weirdly uh and then i became obsessed with documenting stuff that is a truly orwellian answer you've just given me yeah a mixture of a mixture of trauma and inspiration <laughs> i mean sorry to hear that you lost your dad at such an early age but Thank you for sharing that and making sense of your journey into film. And Don't worry, I'm, I might find him again at some point. You never know. <laughs> so with all these really eclectic influences, do you feel in some sense that the bank job is the culmination of your work together? Hmm. If only. No, <laughs> no, we have felt like, because there is a certain exhaustion, you know, particularly because that was, as you were saying, well, it wasn't just a film, it was a project intervention in like public space and imagination hopefully and it, it was all consuming and now we're kind of you come to the end of one there's this period of like kind of some kind of release and letting go but still quite a lot of work to do in distribution and now we're planning our next one and we are like you know we're we're chipping away at it but there is that sense of, should we just stop <laughs> just not not bother because it just yeah there's this you know well but I mean particularly in this whole you know situation 
I don't know if it's harder or not. Maybe it would always be the same, starting and out afresh. However, kind of well one previous project has done, that you just have this urge. But yeah, that someone said to us, or oh, you know, you have that feeling as well that the next thing you do could never be as good as the thing you've just done, but you know that you know it, it can be better. Like, but it's that it's this, this new uncertainty. Yeah. also because of the way we work it seems that every new project is like a new business that you start from scratch in a weird way yes. and that's kind of like silly <laughs> because <laughs> like you know you guys know like in a way you know what you're doing is a kind of a business even if it's not really making you that much money you've kind of set it up it's probably taken you a long time to develop the processes and you know and, and how you work it's all very professional and you sent you know you put lots and lots of work into that if you had to just stop that tomorrow and set up something that was like totally different, you can imagine how much pain that is, you know, particularly once you've got something that's actually working, you know, so for us, bank job was working, you know, um, up to a point because we, you know, we got the message out there, uh, you know, we got the quite a lot of press engagement. We built a large email list of people that were supportive, you know, and then to suddenly move into a whole new thing, uh, you know, is, um, yeah, it, it's sort of like, in some ways, it feels like you're building, you know, you've just built a lovely house and now you, and then you go, oh, that's nice. And then you walk out of the house <laughs> and start building another one. You're like, do I have to do that? You know, um, but that's just the way we work, unfortunately. <laughs> and anyway, like we're, we're debating whether or not we should occupy maybe the loft of the house that we've just built by doing something else inside of it. Am I extending the metaphor too much? Yeah, I don't understand. Okay, sorry. <laughs> sorry. I'm just thinking that we're thinking of potentially looking at doing one more bank job, uh, you know, whilst also doing the new project. Yeah. But we're just not anyway, sure about that. Wow, a bank job, not <laughs> yeah. sequel. Well, yeah. No, I think the new project called Power is is like a bank job sequel, but we're wondering whether to extend the debt write-off that was involved in bank job further with this one and how we do that. Anyway, yeah, we're having one minute. Dan, Dan wakes up in the morning and goes, I've got it. And by the evening, we're like, no, we're not. No. So we're in that phase. Yeah. Wow. You know, I just realised interviewing you that the sequences of the documentary where you're bickering and debating what to do are absolutely <laughs> true to life. Yes, they are. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I wondered how much of that was staged for the camera. <laughs> but... <laughs> we don't really believe in staging. I mean, when we're staging stuff, you know, it's staged. Like it goes black and white or whatever. You know, otherwise it's just it's just how we are. You know, we just and that's that's kind of like the beauty of documentary, isn't it? It's like you know you're trying to capture um, in as low key a way. You know, you don't want to put equipment in front of or between you and the subject in a way that that breaks or ruptures the the actual real conversations and stuff so uh yeah yeah no but the bickering that goes on between us is absolutely we can attest to it it's definitely real and probably we only show the bits where it doesn't even feel like bickering to us it, <laughs> get, it gets way worse than that <laughs> well i won't ask you to delve into that um but hillary i did want to ask you something i saw somewhere you described the bank job as a Gesamt Kunstwerk. So could you tell us what that means to you in the context of the film? Oh gosh, I don't know where I did that, but I do like, I do well, I like that word. Well, like a total work of art. So kind of, yeah, so it's not, a, you know, so it covers all kind of disciplines from, yeah, documentary film to 
almost like fiction and it's an art installation but it's also a performance and an event and it involves mass participation so it was that kind of all-encompassing project which I like and I suppose maybe that comes from that maybe that word I learned in my <laughs> my MA scenography which again was like they really believed in this kind of total artwork that if we, we scenography wasn't like set design where you just provide a kind of passive backdrop to events on stage or film that you know the backdrop or the space or the place is very much part of the whole story and and the unfolding of the event which the bank was for our film bank job so yeah <laughs> i must have strewn that word word into a conversation somewhere <laughs> i mean can you define the bank job in one sentence is that possible no, I mean, we've had various, you know, we always have, you always have to produce a log line, but I think I'll, you know, like, which is a, like one sentence. Oh, yeah. Thing. Try that so, one then. Well, I can't remember it. because I think been... the log line is something like uh, a white knuckle ride into the dark heart of the financial system. Yeah. But then another one was like, we were always like having problematics with it because people go, filmmaker and his wife. And you're like, <clears throat> <laughs> like, it's just like, so there were lots of log lines which we had to like veto. Going, oh, yeah. you. Or, like, a filmmaker and artist couple was oh, yeah, one we, that we, we, we gave to, the green tick yeah. to that, didn't we? <laughs> yeah, that was all right. Yeah. Well, like one person, like in a recent review, because it, it went into hot docs in Toronto, someone wrote like a middle aged couple. And we're like, <laughs> No, can't have that. But you know, we had no control over it because it just went out. And like middle-aged people, how do they very dare? I mean, speaking of um, like terms of reference and uh, uh, technical descriptions, uh, you do refer to um, one in particular during bank job, which is high interest debt. And I was wondering if you could perhaps give us a a broad overview of what that might mean or what it is that the layperson doesn't understand about high interest debt. Yeah, I guess like stuff like catalogue debt, you know, payday debt, um, credit card debt uh, is, yeah, is that that is particularly would be all sort of put into that bracket as high interest debt, where the, where the, where the interest rates compound, you know, uh, so in other words, you know, that it gets you know, you get interest on the interest on the interest and the, all the rest of it. And I guess like we targeted that type of debt because, um, you know, in the UK, we were looking for like the most sort of the debts that we could argue were the most illegitimate forms of debt that we could get our hands on, you know. And um, in America, they had medical debt, you know, and they were also able to buy and then abolish student debt in America. We couldn't get our hands on that form of debt um you know and yet over here we had like really high cost credit that that's been like actually corrected a bit over the last couple of years Stella Creasy did a big campaign uh, against high interest uh debt in uh in Britain and there's also been a, a whole uh sort of lobby against high cost credit hasn't there like pushed forward by actor Michael Sheen as well yeah um but I suppose the aim with us, so we were very much inspired by strike debt in America who'd brought up student and medical debt and destroyed it. But it really, it was, and it really, so for us, it, we would have liked to maybe get student debt, but actually the type of debt, we honed in on high cost credit and it, you know, is a problem debt and illegitimate, but really it was the arguments within strike debts. Um, one of their members, Andrew Ross wrote a book, creditocracy and arguing that debt is being wrapped around like basic social goods you know we are all the creditor class is controlling all of us via debt so 
the debt explosion when we did destroy one million pounds worth of high cost credit debt like payday and catalogue was more a symbolic act to kind of highlight you know the illegit the, un the injustice within the whole kind of financial system that forces people into debt for basically basic provisions mm. yeah yeah that's right yeah yeah so yeah we weren't we, we weren't just saying um this form of debt is wrong and all other forms are right or whatever we, it was just it was definitely just part of uh, a way of trying to reveal the entire system which is indebting so many people in so many different ways you know that's really that that's the, the central argument it's less of a technical argument about one form of debt over another really but we were just looking for the easiest uh form of it which which was um targetable you know the best the best form that we could buy um, I mean, I've had the good fortune to watch uh, the bank job earlier this week and is uh, making the rounds in different places. Um, and it reminds me of um, two documentaries I've seen before. One of them is called Taking Liberties in 2007. Another one is called Star Suckers in 2009. And Taking Liberties was obviously about uh, uh, the erosion of uh, human rights through the legal system. And Star Suckers was a documentary about... Uh, uh, the issue of celebrity culture and getting confused with uh, large multinational organisations uh, kind of dominating the news, the airwaves, and people getting involved in people's private lives. With the bank job, was there a specific moment in time that made you want to tackle this as a social issue? For example, maybe like Occupy, the Occupy movement or something like that. It wasn't necessarily... The, the timing wasn't like bang on when Occupy happened, which was, I think, 2008. Oh, yeah. we, we kind of got more interested in it around 2011, so like three years after, because during, you know, 2008, we were in the middle of vodka empire. Our, our minds were miles away, and we weren't really aware of this whole process of the stripping away of um, democracy by creditor gatekeepers. Um, and also... Um, I suppose it was it was just a coincidence, really, because post vodka empire, you know, I went through a process of sort of like wondering at which point, like, well, I was looking for like the meaning of life, et cetera, et cetera. Then someone came along and told me about this group who were buying up and abolishing debt in America. When I found I started researching them and looked yeah. at them and everything, and I was like fascinated by it. And I thought this is amazing. And I wondered if, you know, um, I managed to get out to New York and meet them through a friend in the in the Guardian newspaper who yeah. was the commissioning editor for their documentaries because they were just starting out. Mm. Um, and then, so that was really helpful. And then reading their books, which they mm. called the movement literature, just made me see that how the economic system was working, um, you know, in a way that I'd never understood before. You know, like I, I sort of think of it as, you know that movie they live where you put those glasses on and you can suddenly see all sorts of things that were unavailable to to see without the glasses but once you see in that way you can't unsee you know um and so so then so then it was a question of well how do we translate this as you know how do i translate it initially because it was me doing it right then as a filmmaker how can i create a story that's not just lots of people talking at, and like charts and analysis so then that became the big challenge it was a challenge of like framing 
you know, uh, and that's where, you know, first it took lots and lots of research and then, you know, just like thinking about stories and meeting lots and lots of people and lots and lots of dead ends. Um, and then gradually uh, with Hillary, uh, we came up out with this idea of creating our own banknotes. And then as you saw in the film, then all the, the bank became available, et cetera, et cetera. And then it all sort of well, came think, together. Well, it had been called the detonator and you did actually win a, Stan went up and won a, on an Edinburgh pitch with with the detonator in the trailer so it was obvious there was at the core of it there was something interesting but still the framing of the detonator was Dan as this lone kind of superhero kind of trope um, and it was only when it was like really building it from the ground up that it and then the idea of it becoming a kind of playing with the heist genre that it really kind of became more contagious and it was kind of fun for people to get involved even though it's a very serious issue to tackle but to have that kind of playfulness in it that really helped well yeah it, it take off locally and then and then we got the bank and it just kind of kept rolling so at what stage did the exploding bank come into the equation as the culmination of the film I think that was there from the beginning. Dan, I think Dan interviewed Andrew Ross, who was the author of Creditocracy, very early on in the process and got him to do a fake detonation of debt. So I think we'd always, and, and that really fitted with the heist and like the, you know, the classic Michael Caine Italian job. Like, <laughs> I can't I always do the impression I can't do it. You're only supposed to blow the bloody doors off. And we wanted that. That's kind good. Of, good impression. Uh, Everyone does Michael Caine. <laughs> that was good. <laughs> oh, that's but um but it, initially it was quite tame well you know after these kind of more special effects explosions that we tried then it was like oh shall we do this with some fireworks and you know ribbon cutting at the town hall <laughs> like, and it was like no we need to actually go for it properly explode a van it was really important for us to do it in front of canary wharf and the towers of london's financial district and we called the whole thing so it, you know it exists in the film as a kind of finale and it exists as a very more public way of showing something that was actually quite invisible that, you know, we did write off all this debt, but it was just spreadsheets and letters. So this made it more of a, a kind of cathartic public moment. And we called it Big Bang 2 after 1986, when Thatcher deregulated the stock markets and the banks, which kind of led to rising inequality. That was called yeah. Big Bang in the city. So we were kind of referencing back to that. Yeah, we noticed that, and it goes back so, to like a, the original definition of neoliberalism as well for the audience to kind of just be mm, clear mm. on where that term of reference is coming from. I wouldn't say that's the original definition. That was just us sort of trying to come up with some form of a definition, what? but for, for that neoliberalism yeah. in, the, in the kind of police interrogation thing. But like, really, it's because I think a lot of these terms get bandied around so much, and they, 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 they yeah, and they, and and the people who use them often uh, like don't bother to. They think that it's so self-evident that everyone must know what it is, but it just becomes this kind of like um, shorthand for something that people don't really understand and therefore useless, really, a kind of lazy journalism. So you you're trying to detonate. Um, uh, let's say a device or a bomb in the middle of central London, you're working with um, language that people have probably not heard before and are probably misusing, like you said. So what would you say was the biggest challenge out of them or those two things or perhaps something else uh, 
in producing a bank job and what kind of solutions or approaches did you take to overcome those challenges? I think probably one of the perceived challenges was that idea Like we had an early kind of PR person who said, oh, this is all too lofty. No one will understand. And this idea that you can't, how are you going to talk about these things? No one's going to get it. And you're like, actually, and that's kind of really insulting to everyone because people can get these things. And I think Anne Pettifor in the film literally states this is not rocket science. We can all kind of understand the systems that we live in and therefore try and change them with a little bit of, you know, coming together to talk about things and understand things and make films about things and help share that. So, I mean, so yeah, it was, that was a kind of, well, a challenge or like a some a barrier to kind of keep fighting against. The other challenge was as being artists and filmmakers and trying to engage some of the big kind of economic thinkers we wanted in the project. It was quite hard at the beginning. They didn't really take us seriously at all. And actually this isn't really, this is kind of beyond the filmmaking, actually inviting people to the bank and having them come in and kind of soak up the atmosphere which was also a print space and, you know, the smell of the ink, that really helped. Because we're doing a project on the street where we live now. So much harder to engage local people, but, but it would be great to have another, another bank. Public so if you see, if you see one, let us know. No, we don't want a bank. We don't want a bank. We want, a, <laughs> want an energy plant. Yeah. Um, what other challenges? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I was just thinking just back to the previous question about, you know, just how documentaries are distributed and maybe this is, not the right and not the right area to talk about it but the challenge of making sure that once you've gone to all this effort of making the making of which is more unusual for document continues to travel in this kind of strange world that it's emerging into i mean we've had cinema releases but quite limited and where does it go now how does it continue to have an impact and we're lucky that we've worked with um, Dartmouth Films who are working with us and they kind of specialise in these kind of films with a social justice goal. And also um, Doc Society who, you know, that's documentaries with impact and really believing in the power of film and art to, to change things, you know, to have a kind of real world impact beyond the making of the film. So coming back to the, the content of the film itself, um, the, uh, the money that you raised was split between two areas and you used half of the money to write off these debts and the other half was given to community projects. So at what stage did you decide that you were going to do that and how did that shape the documentary as a whole? That was kind of early on because we wanted these people to become, you know, like banknote characters. Team uh, yeah team members and kind of take a stand you know we were asking them to it was a fairly uncomfortable process for them they had no idea if this would be successful or not and you know they were having to kind of make a stand it was quite political in some ways so um basically we thought I mean it wasn't it wasn't as crude as trying to incentivize them but we also felt that like it would help people who were supporting the project that they were you know on the one hand buying debt but on the other they could get behind these projects which were effectively picking up the pieces of the broken economic system or that's what we were certainly arguing and it, and it did people love that they love to put you know they love to be able to support the school the, the 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 youth project you know the homeless kitchen at the food bank they were you know people loved that and they and also just the, the fact that you're embodying 
<laughs> these heroes, you know, um, uh, who, who never asked for anything, really, those people, you know, mm. there's something beautiful about being able to champion them through the project. Um, and, it, and it also made something quite positive, you know, so it wasn't just us like shouting at the establishment. Um, we were, you know, on the one hand, uh, sort of um, drawing attention to the fact that there was, uh, you know, these, these, system, these systemic problems, but it also created the opposite as well, which was a kind of positive, kind of loving vibe in a way, wasn't it? Yeah, we had to be careful with the, because, the, you know, we didn't want to have a hierarchy of value you know, with Tracy from the school as a 50 and Gary as a five. <laughs> so each each note character person had all of the denominations in their name. And it and then people kept saying, oh, well, I want to support um, the food bank. Which one shall I buy? And it's like any of them, you know, it's not, it wasn't like a competition between causes. It was equally distributed. And that was kind of important to get right in the design of the, how it would function. And can I ask a technical question? Um how did you actually technically make the money? Because I'm sure a lot of people have dreamt about making their own banknotes, but how did you physically do that? Oh, lots of learning and different processes. To, to have processes, like quite traditional print processes that were easy to, well, relatively easy to teach to a team of local people that we recruited and employed. So they were made, I mean, and they're not any, you know, they don't look like real banknotes. They don't have the hologram and the, you know, metal strips but they were made on nice paper with screen printing letterpress and foil blocking and kind of sealing and there were lots there was lots of cutting and stamping involved so to make them involve as much of tactile kind of processes as possible okay great i just wanted to ask one more question um so the um the metallic bits on the notes that was the foil blocking yeah so that's the machine that heats up got like really so it uses pressure and heat to transfer metallic foil onto paper or, or leather or you know but we we didn't make leather notes because later we went into production making another kind of financial instrument bonds which funded the explosion we also had like kind of embossed those foils so we were getting more fancy with our processes and to, to be able to reach the forty thousand that we needed to buy up the one million of debt we um out of old Bank of England £10 notes that we kind of crushed, you know, we mulch down and make reform into paper. So that was exciting. Have those little metal strips in that kind of shimmered in the in the new paper that it became. That was a nice process. <laughs> how much money did you actually have? I mean, how many old notes did you have? Oh, oh gosh, it just came in. They they the, the so we had to go to Debden. Is it Debden? where uh, the yeah, yeah. bank of england kind of in, they basically they'd go for incineration so they are already tightly shredded and made into these little briquettes so we had like i think we could only get like 15 kilos of briquettes for as long as we weren't going to make profit out of them which we weren't right. so yeah tightly controlled <laughs> like barbed wire and security to go and get them our daughter was saying oh you could stick them all back together and there's, <laughs> like, there's pieces that tidy up well, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> wow i'm i'm amazed of, about the numbers that you just said did you actually say it it only took forty thousand pounds to to buy one million pounds of debt yeah i think in the end 
1.2 million. Yeah, and remember that half of that money went to the local causes, oh, so yeah. it was actually 20,000 to buy up 1.2 million. But the thing was, it's very old, distressed debt, you know. Um, yeah, and, sure, sure. You know, uh, so it's not like it's not like all of those people would have been paying that debt back. It was pretty much that that was the what the the dregs of debt. Yeah. It's kind of like a shadow hanging over yeah. people's heads, uh, and perhaps postal addresses as well and stuff mm -hmm. like that. What would you say is the most interesting place that you had visited as a result, for both of you, as a result of um, making this film? Because you'd, ex and, and indeed doing the whole project, because you said you've traveled to New York, you said you visit people in a local community, you've occupied a bank, like, so what, uh, and you've met printmakers and, and explosive experts. So what would you say is the most interesting place or unusual place that out of that you've been to in this documentary. That's a good question. I mean, actually, that that place that Hillary just suggested, I never would have thought of. But you know, the the actual Bank of England where they shred notes is a pretty interesting place. Sadly, we weren't able to film there. Someone did come into the bank who used to work there, and her job was literally to watch people <laughs> inside the place where notes were shredded and incinerated to make sure they didn't steal any notes oh, yeah. so her job was literally just to watch those people she wouldn't go on camera and tell us that story we also we had yeah. someone who came to repair a window who had been uh, served time in, in jail for doing an actual bank job that was a person who came to the bank and offered, yeah, you know yeah. and, and, and would have would have been gladly interviewed had we wanted to uh, wow. which was quite wow. interesting uh, and yeah. who also had like a problem you know who who, who felt the same feelings as us towards the way banks operate and that yeah, you know, yeah. affected any actual person because you know the money's just replaced effectively um but you know that was very interesting but that wasn't a place so i guess like i always love to go to new york and los angeles uh, well that was the first oh, time i've been yeah. to los angeles I yeah i had the sort of <laughs> fantasy of like standing underneath the hollywood sign and you know i've made it as a filmmaker but the reality was that the budget and the reality of the film that I was working on was massively different from most Hollywood filmmakers, you know. Uh, but, you know, it was quite it was lovely to visit that area. Yeah, well, I'm trying to think. Oh, well, because we work with the explosives team. I had to go and do test explosions in their like official quarry in near Bath. So that was exciting. So you got to press the button and, and blow things up. Yeah, yeah. And exploded actually. Two more vans. We exploded wow. to practice. <laughs> so that was really good. So it was good. Yeah, that we was did really loads, good. But actually, locally, what was really the kind of and this is be, being invited into spaces in our local community where, because of the pressures of work and just you know you're kind of in your siloed little areas mm -hmm. and you don't meet people. That was the best mm -hmm. thing about the whole thing. So like, you know, I didn't really have much knowledge of the local Muslim community, and then we're invited to like big events, and you're just like. Oh, so this whole new world's opened up just on our doorstep and yeah. that continue to kind of keep and that was one up. of the goals weirdly early on was that, you know like we all seem to be stuck in our kind of lives you know like pushed to work and back and paying mortgages and all the rest of it you know and being able to meet people just in the parallel streets and all the rest of it and to work shoulder to shoulder with them you know was a privilege and you know something that we really want to continue you know um that kind of community spirit and community work um you know something that we value really highly so actually to, you know as as is said at the, at the end of uh you know some kind of 
phrase around screenwriting. You know, the end of the journey is to arrive back at the place where you began, but to see it fresh. That's, isn't that CSL? Maybe, no. uh, yeah, maybe it is. Yeah, yeah. But but in a way, that's that that was the best place that we could go was actually just on our own doorstep, but to see it in a way that uh, privileged access to it and to meet all sorts of people that we never would have got to meet, you know, had we not done the job, you know, and to form those friendships as well that that are still yeah. here now and that we're taking into the new project. I mean, bank job is is not just about the removal of debt in a highly dramatic way because you get so many beautiful angles of what's like the perfect detonation but it's also about like creating those links back with the community and giving them the confidence to find new avenues of managing their debt or credit and even benefiting from the fact that the project even exists. I just wanted to say I mean it's great to see Walthamstow represented on film as well because it's something about seeing the local area that you know and even the fact because I lived in Walthamstow the climactic scene where the letters are posted and that's in the square in Walthamstow that was great and unexpectedly moving I never expected to be moved by seeing some letters go into a letterbox yeah it's beautiful isn't it the way like the emotions change through watching the film and through things being done that that are so important, I guess, on the on another level, so trivial and so you know, and I think that's the power of film, isn't it? You know that um, it's it's about it's about what's happened emotionally on that journey before the thing happens. You know, all that's gone in, all the work that's gone in to the uh, that had to go in before the simple act of posting a letter could take place. Yeah, and that's what I got the journey. The film like really communicates that. is well actually it's for me anyway like it's after the explosion when when i'm trying to interview george or whatever and he says i want to talk to you about it you know and then i'm like oh yeah you know that's true there was a mo there was a moment where you know we, we don't really stop to think about these things you're continually on to the next on to the next you're always like moving and you know, sometimes you just don't take that moment to acknowledge and to allow something to be you know done in a way you know because that explosion was the culmination for us in in a big process wasn't it yeah uh, it's weird because beyond that we carried on and we were still we we're trying to keep the bank building and build it as a you know build on it and buy it and that was all a big disaster and then the pandemic came and then it was just busy editing and we were writing a book that also was bank job and yeah and now like even with the cinema release well we managed to have a kind of red carpet event in Walthamstow Empire which was really special and that week we were really dreading it because you know it's just it's really tense because there's reviews coming out and everything's there and so you can't really even relax but on that night it was really special because Syra from the food bank and her family and Steve and Josh from the youth project they were there as well and it, it did feel like allowing yourself that moment to go oh okay you know it's not ideal and, and you know everyone's sitting like miles apart from each other we can't <laughs> the cinema's at half capacity but it's still like at least there was that that time because it premiered at Hot Docs, which is really amazing for us. It pretty much hasn't got into any other festivals so far, but that was such a good festival. Yeah, we weren't obviously in Toronto. So it was just like, hmm. Now you're embarking on your new projects. Are there any things that you'll be doing different technically this time around based on your experiences doing bank jobs? 
Uh, I, yeah, I'm, I'm wondering whether or not we should just be behind the camera, but I don't think that really works. I think we need to be in front and behind, you know, basically a little bit like before. It's just like right now we don't have much, we don't have, we don't really have a team in place yet. Apart from that, not really that much well, different. But I think what we've learned from Bank Job is that as we kind of did build community and audience as we went with that, but, and we learned a lot and well, Dan learned a lot about the kind of way you market and build a community online. So we're trying to build that early on into this project as a community of support financially, but also where our team comes from. So you're working, he's working lots on that and having a kind of membership site around the film's production so people can follow the process from the very beginning, not just see it as an end product, but be kind of part of the journey from the start online. You know, So not just our local community, but people from all over the world, hopefully <laughs> can get involved. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So yeah, the membership site's really important and lots of people who are already members of it. We've got about 110 members so far who each pay either monthly or annually into that. And lots of them are actually helping us beyond even that money. They're, they're offering to take board positions in the project or, you know, helping with research or, or, you know, all sorts of different things. So it's amazing to get that kind of support. Um, you know, it's really good. And is that through the bank job? Largely people have seen the bank job. Yeah, definitely. Bank job really helps because they, they can see that they can trust us, you know, uh, they've seen us deliver something and they know that our hearts in the right place and that we would we'll just stick to it till it gets done, you know, because obviously it's a, you're asking a lot of people to to fund something that doesn't exist yet. Right. I will be asking at the end how we can all access that. Oh, great. Great. <laughs> so I just want to ask one more couple's question. Um, because I'm aware of like really highly successful productions that have taken place before, such as um, Catcher, Blickfeld, and then and Ben Sinclair coming together for the HBO series High Maintenance, and we've got Ryan Fleck and Anna Bowden who've made feature films such as Half Nelson and then Captain Marvel. So, what were perhaps it'll be better to say the profits and losses, like the big profit and the big loss of working on a feature film with your beloved partner and separate answers please mm, you profits uh well uh you don't have to pay them anything uh that's <laughs> definitely on the profit side um and they can't get away from you too easily they can't ghost you that much unless they actually go for the full-on full-on divorce type of thing yeah. so uh those two things are positive um <laughs> Uh, they also they know the project inside out so it continually is moving but that makes it harder for other people on the outside like producers and stuff to keep up sure, um, sure. I guess on the negative side um, you know there's no way of getting away from them you know things get tough uh, they they always know how things are going uh, you know financially you know so you can't pretend that things <laughs> okay <laughs> do you know what I mean like that type of thing is that enough <laughs> yes well, they were more negative <laughs> yes well i think yeah the profit is that you know you just have really complementary skill sets and can and sometimes but that, yeah, that both these although i always have negative because you know that's really positive but then sometimes then that kind of pigeonholes you into okay dan's the more directory type and you're more behind the scenes you're like, well, no so that you know there's a sometimes that can be the frustration as well um what else? Yeah, what Dan said about the fact that because we work so, I think that is the major issue because we work so closely together and we don't, you know, we we can talk about it at any time. It does make 
yeah. you know, and external producers or people that you need harder to, you know, it makes it more difficult mm. to, for them to feel part of it. So sure. we're really yes. aware of that, like how yeah. we manage or build in a, a team, but normally it's fine. Yeah. Um, what's the big one? Oh, right. No, I think that's I think that's it really. I mean, like yeah. I think you know the thing is that we do really work quite well together, but we're also very different because Hill might even be a bit autistic. We've we've discovered, so she has like I I'm, can't I'm ever quite... tell her what to do. We can only talk about what the project requires, and I, there's no <laughs> way I I can't manage Hill. She's totally ungovernable. That's why she became the governor and bank job. You know, <laughs> uh, she just has her own department. You cannot make any suggestions. It just has to be the way she sees and the way she does. And then I just get on with the things that, you know, she doesn't want to get on with type of thing, you know. Uh, so you just have to know how well, to, you know, what the strengths and weaknesses of that person are. OK, so the all important question, how can we see the bank job? Oh, gosh. Uh, well, we will be hosting. So like it's been on in cinemas and it is still on in a few cinemas across the summer. Oh, uh, yeah. The ICA in London, I think on the 28th. Well, yeah, but we've July. got a we've got a um web page on, on our bankjob.pictures film screenings or screenings that is listing the current cinema screening. Yeah, that's right. And then we're gonna host a couple more. Um we, we did some like live stream uh, events where we would get like an economist like Han Patafor or or a journalist like Grace Blakely, someone relatively well known. Um, and then we did a Q&A with them. We had John McDonnell in there as well, the, the former Labour Vice uh, Shadow. Shadow Chancellor. Uh, and then so we get lots of people to come into these events, the digital streaming events. Uh, but those have been quite successful. We had like 1600 tickets sold to the first one and 400 to the second. So we're going to try and do I think we're going to try and organise a couple more of those possibly one in Britain, one in America, you know, and see how they go and maybe even a couple in Europe, because what those things do for us, which is so amazing, is because we are doing the video on demand ourselves through a membership site, all of those people, we get their email addresses and we're able to see what they think of the film and also tell them about our new project, which is where we can, you know, potentially get some some more people signing up. Yeah, that is really true there's more of a relationship with your audience because you can kind of go back and forth on social media I and mean, maybe sometimes that's bad but but whereas when it's out in the cinema you're just like wonder how it's gone in the cinema because <laughs> you don't really hear much literally <laughs> I have to answer everyone's problems about how do I get in to see the thing and what is my technical problem and all the rest of it I don't get any of that obviously with the cinema when it's in, in cinemas but uh we also we don't get you know we don't get to correspond with the people and find out what they think and and they don't connect to the next projects either you know Sure. So in speaking about connections uh, and using social media um, and without mentioning any action thrillers starring Jason Statham, what kind of hashtags or at signs or platforms can we follow Bankjob and your future projects? On? Ooh, well, for uh, Bankjob is almost becoming our future project on Twitter. So that's Bankjob pictures on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook's then been working a bit more on Facebook. So Facebook Bank Job Film has got quite a, a big community, but that's now transitioning over to Power Film on Facebook. And our new website is power.film. It's very basic right, right now, but that will be where you know links to all that social media will will be. 
Yeah, and the um, the the power membership site that you asked about is shut at the moment. We will reopen it soon, um, but the best thing to do is just to shoot us an email if you're interested in joining it, and we'll put you on a waiting list. And the email address for that one is dan at power .film. Yeah, there is an email address that exists for that, and and then I can put you on a waiting list, and then we'll, we'll contact you as soon as we reopen. Just been really busy like right now we've got 110 people but we like to shut the membership so that we're not continually having to market it and all the rest of it great thank you very much for that we'll put all that info out at the same time that we do the interview thank you very much for joining us hillary powell and dan edelstein the directors of bank job thank you it's been a real pleasure yeah thank you so, so much for much. having yeah, us great to talk to you and nice to see you again after like sharing the bank space with you as well <laughs> it's great to see. thanks you. if you're following us on geekswear um on social media a couple of our interior shots in our special place of uh the co-op bank was courtesy of our connection and invitation from daniel and hillary so they have helped us co-host almost the, uh, they've been our hosts of the Geekswear um, location, so thank you very much. Yeah, just sad that we can't host it any longer, and you know, uh, but who knows? Maybe in the future we'll have another building we can share. And that'd be great. Anytime, anytime. So that's about all from this month's Geekswear. Join us again for more news, views, and interviews very soon. I'm King Dom, and I've been joined by TJ. Ciao for now. Thanks for having me. Bye for now. Take care.